So the gospel today, we must hate our families. <laughs> I got in trouble because a few weeks ago, I didn't talk so much about the divisions that Christ said he would cause between families. But this week, he ups the ante, it seems, and says, you must hate your family. Like husbands must hate their wives kind of thing. So what's going on with that? Because this is the same guy who tells us, love your neighbor as yourself. And if my husband or my wife or my mother or my sister, you know, if these people don't count as my neighbor, then who does? Who can possibly count as my neighbor if they don't? If we look at the rest of the Bible, though, and if we look at how the Jewish people taught at the time that Jesus gave this parable, we see that when they talk about hatred in this way, they're not actually talking about animosity in the heart. What they're talking about is we must, we must be so radical about giving preference to this other thing that it seems like hatred possibly. So if we zoom out, we'll understand a little bit more why Christ is saying this. Because if we zoom out, we'll see that Christ is telling his followers, this is what it takes to follow me. You have to be all in. You have to be all in. We must put aside everything else, everything, every person that could potentially get between me and Jesus Christ. The Christian disciple has to completely and totally dedicate themselves to Christ. And it must be something done willingly. And when you do that, compared to anything else on this planet, it might seem like you're hating those other things. In fact, this voluntary renunciation of everything that is not Christ is what Paul is calling Philemon or Philemon or however you say that guy's name today, right? That's what Paul is calling him to do in the second reading by releasing Onesimus from slavery. Because Philemon will restore not only the dignity of that human person to Onesimus, but he will also become closer to Christ by renouncing this so-called possession, right? Renouncing that. Further, everyone will benefit because Onesimus wants to join Paul on his, mis on his missionary journeys and to further the good news, the spreading of the good news. But let's take a second look at this Onesimus fellow. He somehow has managed to escape the slavery of his master, and on his journey he met Paul. And after some amount of time, he has become a Christian. And not only has he become Christian, but his heart has become on fire, and he wants to spread that good news to the world with Paul and join in his work. But before he does that, Paul asks Onesimus to do something quite unbelievable, if you think about it, to return to his master. What must have gone through Onesimus's mind when this happened? Perhaps if he still had that fervor in his heart, he was thinking of those words we heard in wisdom today. Who can know God's counsel or who can conceive of what the Lord intends and realize that this might seem strange, but I should follow it. Because returning to Philemon would have been very risky. 
If you were a slave who escaped your master in the Roman times, you were subject to whatever cruelty they might want to lay on you, and oftentimes this was death by crucifixion. So for Onesimus, when he started looking at the costs of this discipleship that he wanted to enter, it very well meant that he was going to literally take up his cross and follow Jesus Christ and be crucified. But he still said yes. Hence the letter that we read in the second reading. He said yes anyway because he recognized that the value of following Christ and spreading the good news that we have all been called to do throughout this life, to follow Christ through life, into death, and finally to the glory of the resurrection in heaven where scripture teaches us we will become like God as we reflect his glory. The value of this outweighed anything on the other side of the equation for Onesimus. And so he went, and he trusted God. He overcame any timidity or doubt within himself, and he went. And so what is God calling us to do to follow him today? What is the cost he's asking us to pay? If we look around at our culture, it teaches us to value our base and bodily desires, desires of food and sex and comfort. But these things do nothing but they weigh us down, they burden our soul, they cause us to be unsure about what we want, and they make us timid in following God. We cannot let this broken and toxic culture in which we live win. Instead, we must learn to practice those Catholic things, those things of self-denial, of constancy in our decisions, to let our yes mean yes and our no mean no, and above all, to trust always in the path that God lays out for us. Because Jesus Christ, he demands everything of his disciples, even their lives. That's what he demands of us, everything. And when he is preaching today's gospel, he says, count the costs. Seriously consider what those might be. And if you can't pay those costs, you cannot be my disciple. Have we counted those costs? Have we thought about what it means to be Christ's disciple? Have we truly taken that into consideration and said, I'm okay with giving him everything, all that I am, my life, my possessions, everything? Because if we can't, we can't be his disciple. And so today, let our prayer be, Lord, make me willing to give you everything.